You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 148 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. A few weeks ago in episode 143 I talked about the 13th century Persian poet and Sufi mystic Rumi. In that episode I was a bit all over the place and I'm not sure if you the listener got a lot out of it. But in this episode I am going to be a bit more specific For a long time now, I've been regularly watching on YouTube the magnificent Rumi translator and interpreter Coleman Barks read Rumi's poetry to live music. One of these YouTube videos in particular caught my heart and mind more than any other for a variety of reasons. And it actually sent me on an upward spiral into Hinduism which basically led me to start chanting kirtans, which are devotional songs of Hinduism, especially Hare Krishna, which is the most famous kirtan. Okay, so let me deconstruct this labyrinth of wisdom, insight and adventure that I've been on for a few months now. Before I start, let's listen to the audio of the YouTube video I mentioned as it is the audio that is important, not the visuals. So here is Coleman Barks reading a mixture of short Rumi poems accompanied by the amazingly beautiful Kirtan music performed by Jay Uttal. <laughs> Today, like every other day, we wake up empty and frightened. Don't open the door to the study and begin reading. Take down a musical instrument. Let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. Would you like to have revealed to you the truth of the friend. Leave the rhyme and descend into the pith. Fold within fold the beloved drowns in his own being. This world is drenched in that drowning. Oh, Nama, oh, 
I am so small I can barely be seen how can this great love be inside me look at your eyes they are small but they see enormous things Pale sunlight, pale the wall, love moves away, the light changes. I need more grace than I thought. Before I say anything, I think it was pretty cool to see that Coleman Barks wore a Shipibo blanket over his shoulder in this video this audio is taken from. The video thereby connects my work with ayahuasca with my new practice of chanting in the form of Jayutal's music, as well as with the wisdom of the Sufi mystic Rumi. Can someone be a spiritual nerd? (laughs) probably and uh, if so that would be me (laughs) let's first talk about Rumi's words because for me there is so much in them the first poem Coleman Barks reads goes like this today like every other day we wake up empty and frightened don't open the door to the study and begin reading Take down a musical instrument. Let the beauty we lost be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. I don't know about you guys, but I really connect with these words. I have many times metaphorically woken up empty and frightened. Life can be frightening, but compassion and love can easily remove such feelings. Rumi talks about playing music rather than reading, and to me this is a symbol of the difference between intellectualizing something or experiencing something. Music is one of those special things that can truly connect us with the divine, especially through chanting. But I will get to the chanting a bit later on. So yes, there are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. The next poem Coleman Barks reads goes like this. Would you like to have revealed to you the truth of the friend? Leave the rind and descend into the pith. Fold within fold the beloved 
drowns in his own being. This world is drenched with that drowning. As far as I gather, the friend that Rumi talks about is the divine mystery, the beloved, what some call God. And if we want to understand the truth about this, we have to leave the edges and go deep within. And then there are some of the most beautiful sentences ever put together in that poem. And I'm not sure I need to explain them, so let me simply repeat them. The beloved drowns in his own being. This world is drenched with that drowning. The beloved drowns in his own being. This world is drenched in that drowning. Consider those words. They convey so much important wisdom in my opinion. Then Coleman Barks continues his medley of Rumi poetry with these verses. I'm so small I can barely be seen. How can this great love be inside me? Look at your eyes. They are small. But they see enormous things. Nothing special to say about these lines as I think they are fairly straightforward. However, I can relate to the phrase, how can this great love be inside me? I have a sort of tradition that I do every Easter and I do a ceremony, a psychedelic ceremony. Because I figure if Jesus can go through an initiation at Easter, you know, the crucifixion, then so can I. And I think it's the perfect way to start the year since Easter falls where I live at the end of the dark winter period. Easter is therefore the beginning of life. So it is therefore perfect to work with some psychedelics and have a sort of death and birth experience like Mr. Jesus. And this year, earlier this year, I smoked some DMT and I had a very profound experience. I did a pretty strong dose and I was deep into it and there was a lot of visions and it was pretty intense as it is but the major part of the experience was not this initial visionary state it happened when I was coming down Uh, it was then that I had the most important part of the experience I saw the amount of love that I keep locked up in my heart. At one point I saw my heart open. I saw it from inside my body. From that perspective. And I got to see the amount of love that it contained. It was like a supernova explosion. It was an infinite source of eternal energy that no darkness or evil could touch. It was unbreakable, incorruptible. And it was pretty awesome. I broke down crying in the most intense way. Not out of sadness. More out of awe. And from feeling such vast emotions. I guess a Christian would call the experience to be touched by the grace of God. So yeah, as Rumi says, 
How can this great love be inside me? Coleman Barks ends with the following verse. Pale sunlight, pale the wall. Love moves away, the light changes. I need more grace than I thought. Yes, indeed. Always go towards the light. Always be with the light. Don't believe those that call it new age mumbo jumbo. Don't trust those that have issues with compassion or with love. Only a fool thinks love ain't cool. Since I love the music in this video that you heard the audio to earlier, I began to get back into Hindu chants again. I've always liked Hindu chants, but they got lost to me over the years, and uh, now I kind of got reconnected with them again. I found a great Hare Krishna mantra performed by Krishna Das that I listened to a lot, and I, you know, I still listen to it. It's amazing. And on the evening before my Easter Mass ceremony with DMT that I told you about, uh, whilst I was driving home from work, I was listening to Krishna Das and I decided to start chanting the Hare Krishna mantra with the music, which was something I had not done until that point. And when I began chanting over and over again, something happened to me when I did that. Uh, I began to sob and cry whilst driving. I cried so much that I actually had to stop chanting because, you know, as the saying goes, don't chant and drive. I was very surprised. I didn't expect the chant to have such an effect on me. And the next night I broke down crying at the magnitude of the love in my heart, as I mentioned earlier. So it was a weekend of a lot of crying, I must say. I'm not sure how this is coming across for you the listener, because I'm basically documenting my own spiritual journey. I'm not sure how much this relates to any of you, but feeling love, sending love, and showing love is something that I have been very defensive about. Because of trauma, pain, loss, and other shit that happened to me growing up, I became very secretive and protective of any love and heart-opening acts. It is the classical defense mechanism of protecting oneself from getting hurt. And the only time I did not do this was with animals, because animals don't judge. And I didn't want to be judged, uh, because consciously or unconsciously, I've always been interested in unconditional love. You know, especially if you have a father that abandoned you as a child you kind of yearn for somebody to love you unconditionally. Even though I had a mother who did that, but still, you know, um, uh, I always, uh, I was always thinking about why my father didn't want me. Working with indigenous cultures and shamanic medicine and psychedelics and studying the wise sages of the past like Rumi, it has moved me towards the light, towards opening my heart. It has been a lifelong journey. And it has had an exponential growth. And the last few years have been earth shattering for me. In the middle of all this, um, you know, breaking down the defenses I put up around my heart. In the middle of all this, when, it, when, when I was feeling the most love, when I felt like I was breaking through. At that moment, uh, like two years ago, uh, my baby 
was stillborn, which I guess was my final exam. I talk more about that in episode 103 if you want to check that out. And it is not something I wish upon anyone, but looking back at it now, when I hold my living daughter in my arms, I know more than what I would have known without that horrible experience. Because I got by you know by having opened my heart so much and then you know giving a lot of that love to this baby that was about to be born when it died this love had nowhere to go and it became you know it became very painful and i know there is nothing that can harm me if i show love the only thing that can harm me is if i do not show love i mean i could have not loved the baby and then when it died i wouldn't have cared But I think for me, I rather feel the pain of losing something you love than losing something you don't care about. Because even if it's painful, you know, you still have that love. And even today, I still love that baby that died. And I named my living baby that was born after the the baby that died, you know, she got the same name. Uh, not that I replaced her, it's because I, you know, when I say her name, I always remember the one that died. So they are joined in some way. And, uh, you know, like I said, the only thing that can harm me is if I don't show love. And sure, there can be pain, you know, like the pain in loss. As I said, this pain is still full of love. Do you see? Do you understand the difference? I'm not sure if I explained it well, but for me, that makes all the difference. And now, today and all the days ahead of me, this is the only way to live. As Rumi said before, there are hundreds of ways To kneel and kiss the ground. Which brings me to the actual words sung by Jay Uttal that we hear in the background when Coleman Barks reads Rumi. And the chant goes like this Hara Shiva Shankara, Shashanka Shekara, Hara Bam, Hara Bam, 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 Bolo. And translated, it means Shiva, destroyer of evil, bestower of good. He holds the crescent moon on his forehead. Lord of Parvati, who destroys our bondage to worldly existence. Hear his anklets and his drum as he dances the dance that is the play of the universe. That's just perfect. I love, I love the meaning behind that chant. The person who destroys, or the god or whatever you want to call it, who destroys our bondage to worldly existence. He who dances the dance that is the play of the universe. I think that's beautiful. It means, I don't know about you, but it means a lot to me. And this chant, these words are sung whilst the words of Rumi are spoken in the audio I played before. That the beloved, that God, drowns in his own being and that this world is drenched with that drowning. It is the dance 
that is the play of the universe and it destroys our bondage to worldly existence. It's powerful stuff, at least for me. I don't know about you guys, but for me, everything I've spoken about in this episode means a lot to me. So I thought I would share it with you all, regardless of how it is received, and I hope you enjoyed it. But before I finish, I want to play a short clip from a talk given by Ramdas in 1985 regarding being in the know. In Ramdas' case, he is talking about the 60s when those who did LSD felt that they knew. And everyone else was, as they say, a square or straight. Back in the day, you know, when they called somebody straight, they didn't mean he had a certain sexual preference. Instead, they meant it was a person who was taking the rat race seriously. So here's Ramdas. Just to um, put you at ease with an old familiar story about that one. You recall that story about when in the 70s, when everybody came and they all wore white and smiled a lot and they were all between 15 and 25? That was who the audience was in those days. And if you remember the story about that in the front row, there was one woman sitting there who was about 70 and she was wearing a hat with little strawberries and cherries on it, artificial. And she was wearing a, a print dress and black Oxfords, responsible Oxfords. And she had a black patent leather bag. And I thought, she's obviously somebody's relative. Because everybody else was very different than she was. So I started to talk for the group. And in those days, we all knew. You know, that was in the 60s and 70s. We all knew. And everybody didn't know, but we knew. And um, many of us knew because we had shared initiation rites, chemical or otherwise, mostly chemical. So I would tell a story about what happened to me, and everybody would nod, and I'd look over, and she was nodding. And I thought, how does she know? So I told a further out story, like the last time I was stoned on the beach in Mexico and standing by the ocean and I lost my body and the thread broke and I, and she's going like this, you know, and I figure maybe she's got a neck problem, you know, And I got absolutely obsessed with what was happening in her consciousness. And so I tell far out things and look to see what she was doing. And at the end of the lecture, I kind of looked at her and smiled and smiled. And finally, she came up to me and she said, oh, I just want you to know what you said was just fine. I agreed with everything you said. How did you know? What is it you've done that you can know these things? And she leaned forward very conspiratorially and she said, I crochet. (laughs) That's when I knew that the game was bigger than I thought it was. (laughs) There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground 
That's it. And as always, don't forget to like the podcast on Facebook and follow the Twitter account, which is Born Alchemist. On naturalbornalchemist.com, you can also check out some of my writings, donate, and send in questions or philosophical problems or solutions that you would like me to bring up in future episodes. Now, since I have talked a great length about both the music and the poetry that you heard earlier, I think it could be good if I finish this episode with the very same audio. That way, perhaps listening to it a second time, which I suggest you do, you will hear more or, uh, if you compare it to what you heard the first time you heard it. So um, sit back, relax, and listen to the beautiful roomy poetry spoken by Coleman Barks to the even more beautiful music by Jay Utal. And I hope you all tune in next Sunday. Till then, freedom is in the mind. Today, like every other day, we wake up empty and frightened. Don't open the door to the study and begin reading. Take down a musical instrument. Let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground would you like to have revealed to you the truth of the friend leave the rhyme and descend into the pith Fold within fold The beloved drowns In his own being This world Is drenched In that drowning I am so small I can barely be seen How can this great love be inside me? Look at your eyes They are small, but they see enormous things. Pale sunlight. Ah, 
pale the wall. Love moves away. The light changes. I need more grace than I thought.